Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Good morning, Patrick. How are you doing? Pretty good, Jeff. How are you? Doing well, my dude. We're already almost halfway through this month. Time is just flying. Wow. Wild. Wow. Just it felt like it just started yesterday. Dude, two weeks two weeks from today is Christmas. Yeah. It's crazy. Three three weeks from today, we're already in the new year. Well, it is time. <laughs> it's just I, I it's it's wild. Yeah. Remember what time time like ran slowly when you were a kid? Yep. Then once you get the adults, just Oh my god. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah. That's so weird. They say time but, is a construct. <laughs> yeah. Shit. It's a it's a vicious, vicious beast, is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Cruel at that. Very much so. Plus. But <laughs> aside from that, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, doing pretty good. <clears throat> Saturday, my niece had her first gymnastics competition. Yes. And uh, it was at the TOA. In in Brentwood? Franklin. Yeah. In Franklin. Yeah. No. That's where Grayson's near- was. Okay, and um, yeah, cool she Springs. competed Friday. Yeah, she okay. competed Friday. Yeah, and so she did that. It was cool. My my social meter started running low though, because yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people. But um, but it was cool. It's a huge area though. I mean, compared to a couple of the ones I've been to, mm-hmm. trust me, you got spoiled. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, it was cool because I had never made it to the you know her practices or whatever. So it's the first time I yeah. got to see her, and I had trampoline. They were doing front tumbles, mm-hmm. back t- tumbles, and then the, I guess that's what, like a vault where they, yes, th- they were doing, Jump. they weren't doing flips, but they were right. like doing leg splits and then bringing right. their knees up to the chest type things. And uh, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Those bleachers are not comfortable though. <laughs> nope. And no. just, just think I sit on those five days a week. If I'm not be. at gymnastics, I'm at Krav and yeah. same bleachers. Oof. You should yeah. be used to it now, building up endurance for it. <laughs> you would think. No, I've learned that my body will quickly let me know that it's time to stand. Yeah. Even if I've been standing all day at work, that's how much better it is than sitting on bleachers with Man. no backs. Yeah, at one point I got up to stretch, and then this woman mm-hmm. slid right in front. So I couldn't sit back down because my knees will be bumping her, and I'm like, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think that's going to be a good situation. So I just stood the rest of the time. Jeez. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Grayson's was Friday, same location. They judged pretty, they judged kind of low and maybe a little more. I mean, because it's now competitive gymnastics instead mm-hmm. of just the rec team one where they, they'll score higher just because, you know, it's not as, I mean, it's not competitive. So, yeah. Whereas with Grayson's, it's competitive now, or what she's doing now is competitive and, her scores were lower than what I thought. Like even her floor routine, I thought was, I thought she did really well. I'm not sure where the, where the, where they marked, what they marked her on. Mm-hmm. So I kind of missed the good old days of like marching band competitions because they, all the judges had recordings and would say, and would tell you what they're deducting from. Okay. On the and so, so you, you know how the points were. Oh, you know, like, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't say real time, but you know, you would get the tapes because that's what we had. But you would get the you would get the tapes and our like our marching band instructor would would uh, would listen to them to mm-hmm. know what 
Which is also good because it shows what we need to work on. Right. Whereas gymnastics, they don't have those things. They just have scores and you just just kind of go from there. Right. Yeah, just try and improve whatever. And my cousin Bobby, her daughter, Frankie, had her first had her first gymnastics competition this weekend as well. So and she looked like she did really well. We watched it on we you know, we were able to Grace and I watched it together and it was pretty cool. So it's cool. Yeah. Well, good for her. I'm glad she, I hope she had a good time because that's what I told Grayson. Most important things have fun. Yeah, she, she had Everything fun. They had like a break between like around 10 o'clock and the next was mm-hmm. like 1040. So she kind of had a little break down because she wanted to look at her yeah. tablet. <laughs> she got a little overwhelmed. Right. Yeah, so yeah. She sat with us until about 1030 and went back over and was fine. But, uh, she, but, but yeah, except she had fun. That's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody like that has fun. Oh, like, yeah. so that's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just fun to watch those things too and just kind of see see, you know, cheer on everybody else on the team on the team. I always try to yeah. say studio because I'm used to Grace and doing dance. Yeah. <clears throat> and everything's a dance studio. <laughs> so yeah. but yeah, that's pretty much our weekend too. Last minute shop. Well, we only did last minute shopping because York and I went to Opry Mills to go see godzilla so therefore knocked out a little bit extra we didn't really need to shop but york wanted to walk around for a little bit and found a few things and yeah otherwise i'm i've got everything wrapped york had his best friend frankie over friday night so they were having a good time so i stayed up in the bedroom and they were playing the playstation the driving game and everything gran turismo they were playing that so and then they'd switch and then they came up and we're just chilling and so I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and wrap some presents because Grayson's at gymnastics. Ruth is out to dinner with her friends. Going to go. Oh, wait, that wasn't that Friday. She, anyways, Ruth was out. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and knock this out. <laughs> yeah. So I got all the wrapping done until yesterday. And I, I still, I had a few things. I can knock that out today, too. But, yeah, all that's done. I'm like all set. I finally got the tree up Wednesday. Four and a half hours later, but got it where our house is officially decorated and everything. And it got done. And then Thursday, because we were trying to clean before Frankie got there, but we had snacks and everything. Just that I needed some place to go. And I looked at our pantry and I'm like, all right, this needs work. <laughs> I cleaned out our pantry. It took me three hours to do that. Damn. Five trash bags of expired food later. Wow. Yeah. And our trash had just been picked up that day. I was like, yeah, this checks out. <laughs> Thanks. I had to be careful throughout the rest of the week. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's all good. But, yeah, it was definitely beneficial to do that. And, you know, very productive week. And as you can imagine, I was ready for some rest this weekend. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, apparently, Fortnite got a huge major update. They added like a rock band thing that you could play now on Fortnite, mm-hmm. which has some what you know some lag time and you know working out some bugs apparently you could play as the weekend now so that's interesting okay but i'm like all right i don't know who that's who i would have gone with that for Fortnite, but okay maybe he was the one that did it for less money maybe <laughs> i mean they got travis scott a couple of years ago i know yeah i remember that yeah Anyways, so they've added like a rock band thing, but they've also added like a Lego thing. So it's not necessarily like 
Lego Fortnite, you'd go around shooting people and they break into b- bricks, mm-hmm. which would be a better version. But no, it's like a it's like a Lego Minecraft almost. But I'm here to tell you, I played with it. I played with York on that, mm-hmm. and it was the most chill, cathartic thing I think I've done in a while. Really? Like I've actually enjoyed doing that, and I'm like, this is silly that I'm just going around picking up brand, picking up you know, chopping down trees and picking up rocks and collecting berries and stuff like that and yeah trying to build it's basically like sims too it's like a minecraft sims but with lego characters okay so no, more, sh- no more shooting people you're no not well not in that not in the lego yeah format of it they still had the regular fortnite fortnite that you can do all that but this one you're it's using like the fortnite map mm-hmm. but you're having to build a community and it has the fortnite characters as legos as lego characters okay but you're trying to level up the bet each time you can level up by, you know, building your community, getting more people to join and live in your community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're having to, yeah, just do different things. It's, it's interesting. I've been, again, it's been super chill. I was able to do it and not have to just so low key stress. I'm like, yeah. okay, I could probably get with this. It's <laughs> sadly, sadly. And then they also added like a racing game, which kind of looks like, I don't know. York tried to say it's like Rocket League, but I think it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But it's a just a racing game with, but your Fortnite character, your avatar is in the kind of top left screen. Yeah. So, but it's it's pretty it's pretty fun too. I actually didn't do too bad with that one. So, yeah, and that's that's what we did pretty much Saturday. And I put my Chris my my uh, my chill Christmas movies on. And then just went to town. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I still need to wrap gifts. I still have a few more to get, but I haven't started wrapping them yet. Need to get up to it because the tree's already up. Let's see, as far as any gaming, I did a little more playing through the Arkham Trilogy on the Switch. And on Switch, okay. Yeah, Arkham Knight. Like, it's rough, but I mean, it's playable. It's just, it's real choppy frame rate-wise. So it's a lot of lag when you're, yeah, like when you're, gliding in the air some some jittering and driving a batmobile is probably the most wonky part but the yeah. combat is good um, i don't know maybe if they do a patch it might smooth things out a bit but yeah i don't know i i don't know i'm not confident that that will happen right but at least asylum in arkham city they're they're fine okay york and i also tried playing his new mk1 mortal kombat mm-hmm. one on the switch and there's some a little bit of lag on that one as well yeah at least that's what york's claimed during the one time i actually won (laughs) did you see that did you see that you see the lag on that i said i said funny how you haven't mentioned that the entire rest of the game where you've been whooping my butt but the one time i actually beat you in a in two matches you you flag you want to blame (laughs) it on the lag okay man I watched some videos no, like the first day and it was rough, but the patches they put in helped it because there was yeah. a lot of screen tearing during the cutscene during the story mode. And yeah, I'm going to hold off on that. I still like MK11, so I'll keep playing that. Yeah. I mean, York and I, well, one of my favorite characters from MK11, Noob Cybot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Cybot. Noob Cybot. That's like my favorite character. He's not even in this one. I'm like, I like, dang. Yeah, the dirty about this is they have the cameos, but they're not like playable outside of that. So I'm like, right. I don't like that. I'm hoping yeah. later on they'll 
patch it to where maybe everyone's playable and everyone can be a cameo character. Yeah. Which I think would have been the smart thing to do. Yeah, or do it like a tag team. Yeah. You could switch. Like you yeah, could hit, like Street Fighter, hit a button where team. you could switch out. Yeah, yeah. just but a tag team. Doing something different. <laughs> it's all right. It's whatever. Yeah. But we've been having fun. York's been having fun, I should say, beating me at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good bonding time. It's all good, yeah. though. <sighs> all right. All right, let's get into it. We've only got one trailer this week, but that's fine because we're going to need to dedicate the time we usually use for trailers to talk about the Golden Globe nominations that got announced this very morning, mm-hmm. Monday morning. But first movie, or first, the first and only trailer we have, actually, the only, the only way I know about it is because it was before Godzilla Minus One. So it, the first trailer, first and only trailer we're talking about today is called ISS, which stands for International Space Station. This will be coming out January nineteenth. It'll have a, it'll be rated R with a runtime of one hour thirty five minutes. When a world war event occurs on Earth, America and Russia, both nations secretly contact their astronauts aboard the International Space Station. It gives them instructions to take control of the station by any means necessary. I figured out the point of that. Because if, the, if there's a war on the ground, how would that affect the space? Like, if they both go nuclear, well, let's say they both go nuclear. How's mm-hmm. that benefiting anybody in space? Like, <laughs> Not, Yeah, there's really no benefit. Yeah. But it's okay because it, it's fine. Because I'm... It looks really intense, so I'll be here for it. That's the cast includes Ariana DeBose, Chris Messina, John Gallagher Jr., Masha Mashkawa, Mashkova, sorry, Mashkova, Costa Ronan, and Pilu Ebia. Abiak. Yeah, I'll have to get those names, practice those names before the movie comes out. But it looks really intense. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'll yeah. be there for that. Same, for sure. So, and that's our one trailer. Everything else will be for television. A new series coming to BritBox, which I may need to get my, which I need. I told my mom about. Say, hey, I may need your login. <laughs> uh, called Archie. So it's a four-part drama depicting the life of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Archibald Alexander Leach, aka Cary Grant, who is one of my all-time favorite actors. And which is why I want to watch it. Jason Isaacs will be portraying Cary Grant. So, and then we also got a trailer for Mr. and Mrs. Smith that'll be coming to Amazon Prime February 2nd with Maya Erskine and Donald Glover, as well as Paul Dano and John Turturro. And yep, that's it as far as that. All right, we're gonna kind of breeze through this, but the 2024 Golden Globe nominations came out today and pretty much who you think would be nominated got nominated, to be honest. For both for best motion picture drama, we have Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Past Lives, The Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall. Best picture musical or comedy, Barbie, Poor Things. 
American Fiction, The Holdovers, May-December, and Air. Best Director, Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, and Celine Song for Past Lives. Best Screenplay Motion Picture. We have Barbie, Poor Things, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Past Lives, and Anatomy of a Fall. Best Performance by an Actor Drama. Bradley Cooper, Killian Murphy, Leo DiCaprio, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Andrew Scott for All of Us Strangers, and Barry Keoghan at for Selburn. Best Performance by Actress Drama. Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Harry Mulligan for Maestro, Sandra Hewler for Anatomy of a Fall, Annette Benning for, I think it's pronounced Nyad, Greta Lee for Past Lives, and Haley Spaney for Priscilla. Best Performance by Actress, Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Fantasia Barino for The Color Purple, Jennifer Lawrence, No Hard Feelings, Nellie Portman, May-December, Alma Boisty for Fallen Leaves, Margot Robbie for Barbie, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. Best Performance by Actor, Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Nicolas Cage, Dream Scenario, Timothy Chalamet, Wonka, Matt Damon, Air, Paul Giamatti, The Holdovers, Joaquin Phoenix, Bo is Afraid, Jeffrey Wright, American Fiction. Best Supporting Actor, Motion Picture. Willem Dafoe, Poor Things, Robert De Niro, Carols of Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr., Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling, Barbie, Charles Melton, May December, Mark Ruffalo, Poor Things. Best Supporting Actress, Motion Picture. Emily Blunt, Oppenheimer, Daniel Brooks, The Color Purple, Jodie Foster, Nyad, Julianne Moore, May December, Rosamund Pike, Saltburn, Divine Joy Randolph, The Holdovers, and the rest are television, which we'll put the link on our group page so you can be sure to look, to look at the rest of those, but we're not going to really get into all the television stuff. Oh, wait, almost forgot. Best Original Score, Lud- Ludwig Gorenson for Oppenheimer, Jerskin Fendrix for Poor Things, Robbie Robertson, Killers of the Flower and Moon. Mika Levi, The Zone of Interest. Daniel Pemberton, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Joe Hisashi for The Boy and the Heron. Best Picture in Non-English Language. Anatomy of a Fall, Fallen Leaves. Io Capitano, Past Lives. Society of the Snow, The Zone of Interest. Best Original Song. From the movie, looks like Barbie got three. What I Was Meant For, Dance the Night, and I'm Just Ken. From the movie She Came to Me, Addicted to Romance by Bruce Springsteen. From the Super Mario Brothers movie, Peaches by Jack Black. (laughs) Yeah. And from the movie Rustin and Road to Freedom by Winnie Kravitz. Best Motion Picture Animated, The Boy and the Heron. Elemental. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, The Super Mario Brothers, Suzume. From, so I'm 
that I'm kind of curious about. That animated category is going to be good. Yeah. I mean, we all assume across the Spider-Verse, but I could see a Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron sneaking up, though. Oh, and I forgot, Wish also got nominated. Because, you know, Disney put out a movie, so it has to get nominated. Anyway, so they added two categories this year. Best performance in stand-up comedy or television. Interesting. Yeah. So basically, they added a category for stand-up specials. Yeah. And another category they added, cinematic and box office achievement. For that, Barbie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, John Wick Chapter 4, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Oppenheimer, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the Super Mario Brothers movie, Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour. So I don't know. I'm curious on what that classifies as. Like what goes into nominating somebody for that? And then like what are the what are the rules for that? Is it is it just how well they did at the box office? Is it, hey, you really did something we haven't seen before? Like what's what's going into this? I think it it probably leans well, part of it is for sure the box office, what they bring in. And then I guess the like Spider-Man Cross Spider-Verse, I see that being nominated because of the animation style they went with. How it's pretty unique to everything else we've seen. And then of course Barbie did the surprising thing and hit a billion. So Mario Brothers too. So I mean it's pretty up in the air. But I guess it's between Barbie and Spider-Man Cross Spider-Verse and Super Mario Brothers movie. Maybe even Oppenheimer. I guess Beyonce's concert movie didn't come out in time. Yeah. So the uh, the Globes will be on NBC airing January 7th. So be here before we know it. Yeah. So but uh, there's a lot of there a lot there weren't very many surprises, I guess. I still haven't seen Past Lives. So I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent, you know, I don't know much about it, but it's there. I haven't seen a whole lot of talk as far as that getting, you know, buzz for it. So to me, that was a little bit of a surprise, but yeah, I've heard that is, I've heard nothing but good things. I know you've talked about it, but as far as any buzz on whether or not it was going to be in the running for any awards, I hadn't read that yet. So that was kind of cool to see. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of Barbie, a lot of Oppenheimer, a lot of Killers of the Flower Moon, which we kind of, I think, expected. Yeah, true. Surprise, no Napoleon. Right? Zero. Yeah. Shut out. Shut out. But but was afraid he got nominated for Joaquin Phoenix. So yep. So hey, which John Waters says is the best movie of the year, according to John Waters. It's an odd movie, so of course John Waters is going to love it. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, once it gets to a certain point, it just weirds out completely. Yes, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm done. Like, this is a <laughs> bit much. This is a bit much for me. A lot of A24, though, that's for sure. Yep. Cool to see. Keep churning them out. Yep. I guess they're able to, because you know they're able to, they're willing to pay their writers and their actors, so. And to keep the budgets modest. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. Goodness. That's what we got going on so far. So, should be should, should be interesting for sure. Award show should also be interesting. 
Yeah. It's going to be slightly awkward. I don't know. I think award shows this year are just going to be weird after two strikes and everything. It just seems like it's, I don't know. Will it show is the question, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Will they just go on like nothing happened? Will they talk about it? Will they just. You have to. You have to bring it up. You can't not. Well, if De Niro's there, he's definitely going to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah. All right. Shall we begin our monster episode? (laughs) Sure, sure. Sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. All righty. Let's see here. So this week, we we all took the journey out to the theater to watch Godzilla Minus One. Rated PG-13. Runtime, two hours, four minutes. Post-war Japan is at its lowest point when a new crisis emerges in the form of a giant monster baptized in the horrific power of the atomic bomb. Which I don't think, I don't think that ever actually got addressed. I feel like there may have been like a flash of it because, you know, at the beginning of it, Godzilla's not as big, then he grows bigger. Mm-hmm. So they might have just kind of scooted past it real quick. But it wasn't like a whole section about it. <clears throat> yeah. So this is so people kind of have an idea before we kind of get into it. This is for, brought to you. This is Japanese film. It's subtitled. <clears throat> It is not part of the current. Was it Warner Brothers that's doing it? I think. I yeah, legendary, legendary is doing. Legendary, it, yeah. yes, legendary is, from, is doing. Um, it. Sorry, like Toho uh, Studio. This is yeah. Toho. So, so this is separate from the legendary. You know, Godzilla from 2014, Kong Skull Island. That storyline that's got its own little universe. This is separate from that. This is by the original company. Or the original studio that brought you Godzilla back in 1954. Four. Thank you. Yeah. Well. Back in 1954. So this is, again, subtitles. It's also the same one that brought you Shin Godzilla in 2016. Yeah. yeah. It was either 14 or 16. I was going to get it somewhere think, in there. I think that one was six, 2016. Yeah. Yes. So this is, this is kind of part of that story not really storyline it's its own storyline this takes place post world war 2 it basically you have your main character koshi shikashima played by ryunsuke kamiki who is a kamikaze pilot who lands on this island where for maintenance on his airplane it mm-hmm. said something Something was acting up, and so while on this island having this plane looked at, and there, this one mechanic, lead mechanic, uh, Tachibana, says basically, "There's nothing wrong with your plane." Yeah. To which everybody starts getting suspicions that he just basically chicken shit it out and didn't want to, you know, I don't know, die in a plane crash for no reason. Had second thoughts, so, like, yep, punch nah, it. Like, I don't think this is really worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and so while there, he sees it, starts seeing all these dead fish pop up out of the water, mm-hmm. like from the deep, deep, deep. And then the next thing you know, there's Godzilla shows up, Kojira shows up out of the ocean. Yep. And makes, you know, 
winds up on the island. And so they all run for it. They're all just, it's just an island full of mechanics. And then, and then Shikishima. So they, they'll kind of head to the bunker and they're like, Hey, run to your airplane. Cause it's got these, you know, big, massive guns. He's like, that's not going to do anything to this giant thing. Like you don't know, just go. Yeah, better to try and know. Than yeah, not. exactly. So he runs to the airplane, but then his, his right hand starts shaking real bad. Yeah. And he's not able, he's literally not able to pull the trigger. Mm. And then somebody in the bunker starts shooting their little bolt action rifle and at this thing. And then of course, God does his thing. And the only people that survive it are Chikishima and Tachibana who Tachibana blames Chikishima for everybody else dying because he was, because he didn't, you know, he didn't shoot. Didn't even try. Yeah. And so he goes, they end up getting rescued. They go back home and like even like the war, you know, there's Tokyo has been brought to rubble pretty much. I mean, it's been destroyed. And so he goes back. Both his parents are dead. His neighbor, Sumiko Oda played by Sakura Endo is her kids were killed in it. So it's just her. And she's like, wait a minute. Aren't you a kamikaze fighter? Why, what are you doing back? Right. Yeah. First, she's all woke, like, oh, yeah. Tragedy. And she it's thinks deep. about it. And she's like, and hang on. Like, you're not supposed yeah. to be here. <laughs> you're supposed to be dead. Yeah. And then she realizes he couldn't go through with it. And then she basically tells him he's a disgrace, which, yeah, checks yeah. out. Because <clears throat> that's how that culture works. <laughs> yeah. But not only did he chicken out by landing his plane, he also couldn't shoot the, the weapon that might have put Godzilla yeah. down. Don't know. Yeah. Yep. Twice he chickened out. Yes. So while he's at a market, this lady runs through, you know, they're yelling thief, thief. This lady's running through. She basically sees him, hands off a baby to him, and then takes off. <laughs> I was like, dang. Here, do something with this. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> he considers abandoning it, but then he thinks, right. you know, thinks about it again. Like, no, nah, it's not, not a good thing to do. And then once he goes behind the building, she pops back up. It's like, why didn't you abandon the baby? Like, yeah. you know, basically, just like it's kind of yeah. crazy to do that. And then she basically follows him home. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. want her to, but they do. And he lets him stay the night. Said tomorrow you got to leave. And this one night turns into several years. Several basically. years. <laughs> yes. At what point do you go? At what point do you go? Yeah, I mean it's been like two years. Maybe we should get married. Yeah. Right. Right. Like she obviously cares for him he obviously cares for her and both of them care for this child yeah yeah you might as well and basically none of them like the child doesn't belong to either one she just found the child because the you know the family died mm-hmm. in the you know the destruction so she just saw it and took started taking care of it so it's not her baby it's not his baby but they're both raising this child together and you know, meanwhile, the everybody's trying to figure out what to do in the in case of another attack by Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Shikishima ends up getting a job, <laughs> basically to blow up old mines in the water in the ocean, yeah. case you know, in case the U.S. tried to attack 
the so they're now having to go out. He's part of this crew that's going out to help help deactivate these bombs or basically blow them out of the water. They just bring they snip them down, snip the cables so they rise up to the top of the water, and then they just use these big huge guns and blow it from a safe distance. Blow it, basically blow it up and shoot it from a safe distance. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know if that's smart. Like you're out on open water. I still don't know. And you're, you know, Godzilla emerges from water. Probably gonna get his attention. <laughs> exactly. Oh my. No, I think the best thing would be to, lift. You know, cut the cords, get yeah. out of the way, and let planes come through and. <laughs> right. Be like a little tag team, but yeah, I was like, that's not smart. It's not smart. Yeah. Well, and he probably thinks that he's far enough away from wherever this monster is. Yeah. So. But he's still having like god awful nightmare dreams about it, and you know still regret for. He still has a lot of we'll say regret for not doing something, and for those men that died on that island. Yeah, but he doesn't speak about it with Noriko, who's the girl that moved in. We didn't say her name, and it's a, Akika is the baby's name. Oh, I think it's Akika. It's either Akika or Kiko. Yeah. So they, but the job, you know, pays really well. So, you know, he gets all this money and they're able to help kind of build up, you know, fix the house or the shack or whatever and build it into a home and make it look, you know, get it real nice because he's getting paid by the government to basically go and do something that could get him killed, but definitely a lot safer than the job he was going to have. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's a, True. Guaranteed death there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But while out there, you know, they, they, and she gets, Noriko, you know, time passes, you know, the child gets to where she's like a toddler now. And Noriko gets a job as a teacher, or not as a teacher, as a, she gets a job, I forgot doing what. And, but it's in another city. So they, and, you know, the neighbor, that who lost her kids is willing to watch watch the child while she's at work and while he's at work. And this way she can finally get out of his place. <clears throat> and he's like freaking out like what what would happen here? What would happen? It's like he's gotten used to it. Yeah, he, he's like he, he's like I he's kind of gotten used to the way of life and like that's why I'm like, dude, just ask her to marry you already. Yeah, he's like, Am I not paying you enough money? Do I not bring right. it up? It's like, like yeah. It's not about that. It's just yeah. She's not it's going anywhere, on. and she's like, yeah. "I need to get out of your hair." <laughs> yeah, I, she's. She even says, "How else are? How are you going to find a wife?" Right. With me okay. staying here. Yep. Because she's like, it's obviously not going to be me. So yeah, need to sidestep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but that was that was one moment when the daughter, you know, little girl called him daddy, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah, yeah. dad, I told you, I'm, I'm not, not I'm your like, dad." I'm like, "Bro, that's, that's just harsh." Yeah, I was like, like "Dude, don't say that." Taking care of her for the last, I'm guessing, almost two years, at least yeah, a year like, and a half, at least a year and a half. Yeah. I'm like, come on, you're pretty much you're you're the only dad all that she knows. <laughs> so, not cool. Yeah, but yeah, it. So it's wild, and then they find out that, or they see these big giant. They come across this big giant, what looked like a battleship at one time, mm-hmm. and a lot of destruction caused. You know, as part of that, they're like, well, that's not, that's not enemy fire. That's not, 
that's an that's an animal. Yeah. That like a big giant animal, and then Shikishima's like, oh shit. <laughs> Basically has that oh shit moment, it's Godzilla. Yeah. And starts telling people about it. And then they sure enough they get sent out there to get these you know basically get these bombs and then whenever they see them drop those drop those mines and to try and use it to kill them mm-hmm. and then call in basically the cavalry i guess and so hold the line just long yeah. enough until everybody else gets there it's crazy yeah i was like and first thing when i saw the boat before they even went out I, first thing i said was you're gonna need a bigger boat this did, that, a lot of scenes in this felt like Jaws. It did. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's a lot of homage to Jaws. It's yes. straight up. Yeah. Instead like, of Louise, cool. they were using mines. Yeah. yeah. That was cool. Yeah. And the boat looked like it was about as big. <laughs> yes. Or, and with the... York referred to the spikes on the back of Godzilla's looking a lot like tectonic plates, too. And that, you know, it's, you could tell it's a lot of his mutation i guess is environmental mutation so which you know godzilla is about you know it's about post you know bomb you know both nuclear war and just war in general and it's kind of what you know the casualties from it and lessons we learned from war and then as godzilla has gone on throughout the i think 70 years now It's been, a, 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 it's kind of transformed into like, you know, environmental messages as well. Yeah. So what happens when you ruin the environment, it comes back and tries to reclaim itself. The one thing I learned through the messaging of the legendary Godzilla franchise. Yeah. At least Godzilla King of Monsters really hit heavy on that. Stop pouring your toxic waste in the water. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, he's just, yeah. just doing what he does. Like, can't help it. Yeah. He's several stories high tall and hey she's just walking yeah and one thing that i read that they uh, did with this godzilla is make his form more like the original like suit man mm-hmm. <laughs> godzilla from from the og one and that he yeah. stands up more upright he's not leaning forward like the like the legendary ones do yeah. more lumbering like that it's more upright better posture yeah yeah and it moves a lot slower too at least on land on the land it moves a lot slower yeah because when he was walking i was like i was wondering like is this animatronics because right i was like really kind of yeah but i'm guessing you know if you feel with radiation and you're mutating like you're not gonna feel (laughs) you're not gonna feel awesome that's why he's so angry right don't care exactly i didn't care about me dumping your toxic way so right whatever whatever but in the ocean, he swims great, though. Yeah. I would not want... Man, just this, this couple of shots in this movie, when he's just... You just see his eyes in the water, and he's poking out, yeah. chasing him. That's scary. That's scary. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see it in the water, because one, I probably wouldn't be in the water. I wouldn't want to yeah, look out. Exactly. <laughs> if, I'm in a, if I'm in a hall, high-rise building, I wouldn't want to look out the window and see him. Especially when he's getting charged up for his atomic breath. I'm like... Oh, hell yeah. That right there... <laughs> those things shoot no scale shoot up shoom, shoom, shoom. i'm like ah shit man then toward the end that one just a look on his face like i got a screenshot yeah. of it i'm like that is scary yeah i started to make that my 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 picture on my background picture on facebook yeah. I said, i'm gonna give it a couple more weeks 
There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this one in the in it's there's a lot of homages to the original one. You know, people running in the city. You know, looking back, and he's just barreling through. I mean, he's just like he doesn't. He's so not aware of what he's doing. Like, not nothing is what's the word planned. I guess he has no planned location, no route to speak yeah, of. Just, just yeah, he's just going. It's like you know, I don't. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing, but you're under my footsteps. Sorry. Oh yeah. It then turns. He was like, Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like bad. buildings just collapsing. Uh, and then the dude, the newscasters, when Godzilla <laughs> goes through, is it Giza? I guess the other town, the one where she's one where uh, Noriko's working. Yeah. I'm like, why are you up on the roof? The worst place to be they up there on the roof broadcasting and filming everything. I'm like, Y'all need to be going the other way. I'm sorry. There's a time and place. Like at some point you got to go. All right. We're in the move now for to be safer, you know, get to a safer area. And then dude, you know, that goes right by him. And like, Oh good. He went right by us. Wow. That was awfully close. And the next thing you know, he hits the bottom part of the building and then (laughs) starts collapsing. I'm like, yeah, dummy. (laughs) This is the time you should have had a helicopter. So you can at least get out of the way. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, then. Shikishima tries to go and rescue Noriko, and then she does something stupid, <laughs> which I didn't get. York and I both went, bro, why don't you both go down the alley? That makes yeah. so much more sense. Like, instead of pushing him out of the way, like, I mean, push him there and then join him. Instead, like, nope, I'm going to stand here. It's that 50 50 things, like, yeah. push him out of the way and then I just freeze. <laughs> she went, fine. Oh, I should have been like, see, that's how you kamikaze. Yes. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> but no, it, it, but there's a lot that goes on. So they have to plan. So because of the tension between the U S and Russia, the U S cannot go and assist Japan in this because there are Russian fleets in the way to get there. And they don't want to spark an international, you know, another, another war. Yeah. So Japan is on its own with assistance. So a, Group of ex Navy, ex military people from that just that had served in the war get together to try and come up with a plan to defeat Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And it was that they end up finding this this airplane that was like a not really a prototype. It was one that they had saved in case the war came to mainland Japan, and so it was going to be used for that. But yeah, he, but it's. He's, but it needs work. He's like, we need a mechanic. Do you know anybody? So he reaches out to Tachibana and basically, instead of writing him, hey, can you come help with this? He's like, this was all, you know, the attack on the island was all your fault. <laughs> like, the worst thing. It's like, I figured do. if you, I figured if I pissed you off, you would show up. I'm like, that. I was like, well, that's an approach. <laughs> right. He could have he killed him. <laughs> like, oh, dare you blame it's me? Like, oh. oh. Right, at least can custom, which yeah, I did, which you know he deserved it. He did, but he ends up, you know, agreeing to help help him, and especially when he realizes that he, what he's wanting to do, you know, basically strip this and this. We're going to add more more missiles and and bombs onto this thing. I'm going to do what I should have done because I'm because in the end, it's about redemption for Shikishima. Yeah, he's going to try and redeem himself for those. For those, for all the people that died because he didn't do what he was 
assigned, we'll say assigned to do. Yeah. In the war. And then again, also on the island, all the people that died there, he's trying to let those put those demons to rest and let the and have what so the ghosts of those fallen people will quit haunting them, more or less. Yeah. But then of course it gets to who's taking care of the kid then, which then leaves the neighbor. And it's just the that fight scene between everybody at the end, like the last Godzilla fight scene, was um, shot amazingly. Yeah, I mean, you get to see a lot of Godzilla in this movie for, you know, it's two hours and four minutes. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how much screen time is in it, yeah. but it he, that he's in it, but it it has an actual story, which, I mean, not saying the legendary ones don't, but I enjoy this one better, one, because it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a period movie. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of technology. You know, the legendary ones, you're able to infuse a lot of technology and different things into this into that movie. Whereas this one, you have to use what you have, like, and try to outsmart it. And, you know, it's very, it's very well done. It's very well shot. CGI is good. I mean, Godzilla, he ain't here to play. No. <laughs> I mean, nothing he is in really any other movie, but yeah, this one, yeah, that was, that was good. I highly recommend it. And for <clears throat> for how this looked, I was surprised that it had a budget of fifteen million and it looked as 15. good as it did. I was like, see, that really? just shows you don't need two hundred, three hundred million dollars for a movie if you know oh. what you're doing. If you care, yeah, you take time and put it together. You don't need all oh. that money. Then you then yeah. you have so much. Uh, a much better chance of making your money back. Exactly. And which then will, I think this was the highest, like I know it opened in 2,500 more theaters across the U S because of how successful it's doing. Mm-hmm. It still wasn't, it wasn't number one, the boy and the hair and Miyazaki's latest movie. Yeah. Took top box office at 10.4 million, then hunger games, then Godzilla minus one at, 8.3 million. Yeah, it, it then followed by Trolls Band Together and then Wish. Beyonce came in sixth. Godzilla's total box office so far is 52 million. Exactly. See? Boom. Made it back three times. Yep. yep. I could do that much math. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. But it's yeah, it's it, it looks great. And then I really enjoyed it. The uh, Takashi Yamazaki wrote and directed the movie because they were trying to. I, I did read that you know after the success of Shin Godzilla, mm-hmm. they were trying to figure out what they could do to make another one. Yeah. To what? How can they be at you know make it make another successful God Godzilla movie like they did in 2016? And that one. So I remember I, I forgot I'd seen it. It had been a long time ago. But I remember I actually rented it at the library and really enjoyed it. And it reminded me about, you know, this is only so for people that are in like law enforcement or at least first responders, Shin Godzilla is a great movie about how, you know, basically what like an emergency management system works like. I mean, how people have assigned roles, how's the best way to go about executing those roles in an incident command system and how to run run that 
Yeah. And what steps have to go in place, who's in charge of what, and that everything has to be organized and everyone has to be on the same page. <clears throat> also, I liked what Shin Godzilla did in that Godzilla evolved mm-hmm. as it went along as he went along, because much like much like a child, you know, just grows up and gets older and older. Basically, Godzilla was going through that kind of evolution or change throughout the movie. Because there was a couple of times he looked really derpy. Like his eye, like that. <laughs> yeah. I showed York. I go, York, you had to see this. I said, he looks like if Godzilla was placed in, he'll, if, I said, oddly enough, I mean, granted, Godzilla is a Titan. But if you place that Titan in Attack on Titan, <laughs> like this is what he would look like, the derpy yeah. version of Godzilla. <laughs> True. I was watching a video on YouTube where they, was basically analyzing Shin Godzilla and we're talking about the eyes like fish eyes because he's in the water mostly. And so right. he comes to the land, he mutates so he can adjust the land. Cause I was talking about how if he comes to right. land, the pressure is going to buckle his legs and whatnot. So yep. you adjust to it. <laughs> it stands upright and grew arms and yep. grew arms. And because he's on his hind legs, his arms don't grow as long because it's not necessary. Right. And then has another transformation where it's more complete, but the destruction that he causes, that liquid radiation, then yeah. the flames, then the blue, and shooting rays out of his back, his scales. Yeah. I'm like, man, yeah, I, like I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm going underground. Right. Have, let him have the top side. Exactly. Oh yeah, we cannot recommend this movie enough. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. All right, I'm gonna let you talk about our. Second feature, <laughs> because yeah, that was depressing as shit. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, hella intense, hella good, but yeah. good god, leave the world behind. Uh, released December eighth, runtime of two hours twenty one minutes. Directed by Sam Esmail, and it stars Julia Roberts as Amanda Sanford, Ethan Hawke as Clay Sanford. Then their kids, uh, Farrah McKenzie and Charlie Evans play Rose and Archie. They're two kids. Mahershala Ali plays G.H. Scott. And Mayala plays his daughter, Ruth Scott. And Kevin Bacon is here, plays Danny. So a family getaway to a luxurious, luxurious rental home takes an ominous turn <clears throat> when a cyber attack knocks out their devices and two strangers appear at their door. So the reason for this getaway... Amanda, played by Julia Roberts, wakes up and feels like perfect time to just have a plan, unplanned vacation to get away because she doesn't like people. She's tired of people. You know, she goes, she has this little monologue, but she pretty much summed it up that she doesn't like people. She hates people. And so uh, once they arrive to the house, which is pretty large, spacious, has a pool, the kids head straight to the pool and, you know, it's just beautiful home. Perfect getaway. Then she heads to the grocery, go, heads to the local market to get some groceries. She spots like a shady looking guy who's loading up his truck with a lot of canned foods and multiple packs of water. And they kind of have a stare down. And then she continues to hit returns back home. And so when she gets home, they make the decision to go to the beach. There's a few people at the beach, but not a lot. So Amanda's perfectly yeah. fine with that. You know, she's like, we pretty much got the whole beach to ourselves. But I was like, there's still people there. So you don't have the whole beach. But her daughter Rose keeps pointing out. A ship that's far out into the in the water that gradually gets closer, and at one point, 
Amanda's reading her book. She flips over and asks her daughter how she's doing. She said, well, that boat's getting a lot closer, but they're not really listening to her. And so by yeah. the time she takes a look at the boat, it's pretty much on shore. And she wakes up Clay and is like, so is this a good thing or a bad thing? And he's like, well, it's going to stop, but it doesn't, which forces everybody to stare at the beach to run off. And it yeah. comes ashore. It's just like, wow, like a huge oil tanker. They make it back home. There's no Wi-Fi. Phones don't have no signal. TV's not working. And it's just, you know, they're cool. They end up eating, what is it, burgers and chips or whatever. And kids go to sleep. Clay and Amanda playing Jenga. Then there's noise outside that she hears. And so Clay goes and checks it out the door. At the front door, it's Jay Scott and his daughter, Ruth. And he explains to them that this, you know, basically sees, he recognize well, he doesn't recognize Amanda, but he, he knows he, he basically points her out because he's the person that they has been corresponding with back and forth through emails because right. this is his house that he rented out for them. And he explains that they were at Symphony. There was a blackout that happened in the city. And there was a place they could go, but elevators are out and he can't walk stairs because of a surgery. Got a bad knee. So they just start driving, and because the road to his house is familiar, this is the logical place for them to go. And Amanda's skeptical. She doesn't trust them. Yeah. She thinks they're scheming, scamming. Even though he has keys to the the, the wine cabinet and pulls yeah. out pulls out money, says, you know, we want to stay here. Amanda's thinking she's he's kicking them out. It's like, no, no. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to go anywhere. But I'm going to give you $1,000, which should cover at least half of what you paid. And then... <clears throat> We stay the night and then tomorrow we'll figure it all out. And so, I mean, Ruth is not happy about that because this is their mm-hmm. home. They shouldn't be down in the basement, but whatever. The next morning, they wake up. Clay opts to go to town to see if he can find a newspaper or someone to kind of explain what's going on because they did have an emergency broadcast that says it's not a test, it's an actual emergency. But then the TV went to snow. Amanda's phone had four notifications, two of them stating that there was blackouts in New York, one stating that it's hackers behind it, and another one that's kind of illegible because it's just a bunch of characters and symbols. Right. But it didn't disappear. So by the time she shows Clay, it's gone. And, you know, but uh, she explained what she saw. So it's a lot of distrust amongst these two families. Exactly. A lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah. But. By the way, at the beginning of the movie, when Clay says, or not Clay, Julia Roberts' character says, one thing I've decided, I fucking can't stand people. I was like, oh, speaking <laughs> to Patrick. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is Patrick's kind of people. <laughs> like, I like this character. But, but when they, you know, but when they arrived, it's like, you sure this is your house? So the undertone of that, I was like, that's because they're black, right? But it's also because she, yeah, so it's kind of twofold there. Yeah, but uh, so Clay's going out trying to find get to go to town. He gets lost. He sees a woman on the side of the road. She's speaking Spanish. He doesn't understand what she's saying. No, he can't use his phone because service is out, and he's so overwhelmed by not being able to understand her. He just leaves her. (laughs) Like I gotta go. I'm sorry. Me feels bad about it. Can't use and he can't use his translator. Right. Right. His phone. So the. His best, next best idea is just, I got to leave. <laughs> so, and then when he's leaving, there's like a drone overhead dropping. Like, yeah, I didn't know what it was at first. First, I thought it was like leaves or some kind I of. I thought it was fertilizer. Yeah. I thought it was fertilizer. 
Yeah, and because they're out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, what looks like nowhere, but yeah, and I mean it's, it's flat right. area. I was like, a yeah, red yeah. And, uh, he's freaking out and turns around, goes the opposite way. When he gets home, he shows them, and it's in a language that they don't understand. But their son Archie, he said, "Oh, it means death to America." He because he learned yeah. it from playing a video game. The characters yeah. were similar, and which I think is weird. Let's see, there's deer like a big group of deer that just yeah. kind of pops up every now and then looking pretty creepy and rose is trying to tell her family like hey they're trying to tell us something but right they're not they're not paying attention to her and then her thing is she's trying to watch the last episode of friends so she knows what happens but having no luck because there's no wi-fi right let's see <clears throat> but i mean at some point they bond you know yeah h and amanda bond and then it's kind of a weird, creepy. Wine's direction. a wonderful thing. Oh, wine's a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Ruth and Clay kind of bond over smoking. Yeah. I can't think of it. Yes, they're vaping. vaping. And then you know, of course, Ruth makes it weird because he asked, she asked him whether or not he sleeps with his students. <laughs> and then <laughs> she like, thinks that he. I was wants like, to that's do such it. a random thing to ask. Yeah, and she later on tells her dad, like, like I don't think he would do anything, but he's definitely been thinking about it. <laughs> I'm like, why is that? Why would you feel so comfortable? Because when they first introduced those characters, I thought maybe they were they were going the route of husband wife, but then was son, you know, his daughter, father. Yeah. But are they just, you know, cricket scheming team? You know, they got yeah, the keys exactly. because they knocked the owner out. <laughs> right. Just happened to know where things at and just didn't expect somebody to be here when they got back. Type deal. But uh, I mean, it's a lot of craziness. Archie, him and his sister, goes to the woods, finds a shack. And he's messing with her, saying that someone's hiding out, and yeah. they're looking out the back window, and it looks directly into her room. So yeah, he's probably in here looking yeah. at you. I'm like, what an asshole, brother! Yes. Like, I mean, I was like, I know that's kind of how boys are with their siblings, but yeah, it just overboard or older older siblings. That's how they are with their younger siblings. Always trying to terrify them for whatever reason. I don't know why I did that with my brother. I don't know why York does it with Grayson sometimes. But this is like on a no- whole new level, and it's such a such a deep bag <laughs> thing to do. Yes. But then when they were coming out of the woods, he ends up getting bit by a tick. And yep. That, that touch. There you go. That's yep. what you get. Don't um, be an asshole. <laughs> but, you know, this, this whole arrangement, you know, the Sanford family still living upstairs and sleeping in the normal bedrooms and the Scots are down in the basement still. Ruth is very yeah. vocal on like that's not cool. <laughs> you know, we're yeah, this is our house. This is night two, and we're still in the basement. What's up with that? But then you have this weird siren that goes off that's just real deafening to everyone, and it just yeah, don't know where it's coming from. Twice this happens, and then I like how they they, they broke it up in the chapters. What was it the house curve sound? Yeah, it it's just one of those situations where you're trying to take a vacation, w- weird, cr- weird, weird end of the world type stuff happens, and you're put in a situation where the owners of the house you've rented are coming home, but do you trust them? Do you believe that they're the owners? <laughs> you know, and then the owners are like, who are these? You know, even though they rented out the place, like, can they? It's, it's, it's. I guess it's like how a lot of movies where it's a dystopian world, things change, the rules change. There are no rules at a certain point. Right. Yeah. And but yeah, and then back to the whole tick thing. Archie gets sick, wakes up the next morning, and his teeth are falling out. Falling out. I was like, oh, 
And he kept pulling, like, oh. why do you keep pulling them out, man? Like, it's not like you're touching them and they just fall out. Like, you literally, they say he said his teeth felt weird. Yes. No. God, I said, I'm like, yep, I'm going to go back to looking up trivia on this movie. <laughs> well, this is all going on. I'll just listen to whenever it's over. Yeah. Oh. It's, but it's, it's, the, the scariest thing is this something, the things that happen in this movie are things that could happen. And, you know, it's not like just most movies of fiction where it's just a fantasy type deal, but it's just really realistic kind of grounded events that could take place. Hope it never happens, but yeah, this movie is terrifying. I'm yeah. sorry, this movie, this movie is just terrifying. It, I mean, it's, it's so well done, though. There are some amazingly creative shots. Yes, like where he places cameras is just to show something without using dialogue. Yeah. Just camera movement, camera placement, and he's got some really cool trick shots in there too. Like when where GH and Ruth are talking, looking out the window, and it goes from them inside talking, looking out the window, and the camera slowly moves and it positions itself outside the house, looking in at GH and Ruth, which is a yeah. cool, which is a cool not only shot to do, but also a good way to look from them see, for us seeing them on the inside looking out. To then now us as the audience looking at them on the outside looking in yeah. and getting a different perspective of who they are and what's going on. Yeah. It's, yeah, they're in the one shot too where it goes from inside the shack when I can never keep track of it, where Amanda and Ruth are in the, the little shack yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it goes from in there to bird's eye view at the top of the shack. And then slowly moves down to the front entrance. Mm-hmm. They come out, and then of course a deer runs by, yeah. and Amanda starts to leave. And then Ruth gets outside, and then the camera pans around, and then there's the herd of deer again. Yes, just staring at her. Like all the bucks are up front, mm-hmm. the doe and the fawns are to the side. I hate that I actually know the names for for deer, but you know, Tennessee. I guess it's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, and then Amanda comes back and is like, oh, crap. And then they both just start screaming at these deer mm-hmm. to get them to leave. And then they scream so much they're in hysterics. Like, they are just crying because they don't know what else to do. Right. And then finally, deer scatter. And they kind of had that weird kind of bonding moment in that. Yeah. Man. It was just wild. Yeah. They, 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 they share a couple other moments. That is real scary. Even Clay, GH, and his son, yeah. they go try to get him help. They have yeah. a nice little standoff with Danny. I was like, yes. Man. You know what I thought during that entire scene? Mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon and Ethan Hawke need to do like a cop drama. Yeah. Oh, my first, God. Because when Jude Roberts was leaving the store and she sees Danny, I thought she's going, oh, he kind of looks like my husband. Yeah. Or I remember him from college. We did that experiment back in 1990. <laughs> tried to come back from the trying to go try to die and then come back. <laughs> I mean, it was a phase, but he looks just like him. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> which was the last time actually Kevin Bacon and Julia Roberts worked, which is 1990s Flatliners, which I still have a soft spot for. That remake was uh, 
good. Yeah. I don't even made it. I didn't even make it all the way through. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm sticking with the OG one. Kafer. About all that was missing. Right. But uh, yeah, it's definitely one to watch for sure. It 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 is, and you have to be in the mood for it too. It was cool. So the director Sam Ismail is the one who created. It's the one that created. Mr. Robot. He also did the show Gaslit with Julia Roberts that I watched about Martha Mitchell. Mm-hmm. It was on, I forgot which, what streaming it was on. But yeah, it was the one about Martha Mitchell and Nixon, Watergate, all that. So he also did that show as well. So that's where they've worked together already. He was able, he put a couple of nods into Mr. Robot. When they were in the store, I guess the laptop and electronic stuff was from the corporation that a fake corporation in in Mr. Robot and the book that someone was reading. I forgot who was reading it is the book that they show is a fake book that was also written by a character in the show, Mr. Robot. Okay. And then, yeah, so a couple of small little nods in there. So it's this movie is hella intense and it it's i thought it was a drama i legit thought we would just be watching some like apocalyptic or maybe something like knock at the cabin i thought this movie was way more intense than knock at the cabin damn probably because it was more realistic i guess it was a little more grounded this movie is very grounded whereas knock at the cabin's a little more i don't know it had still more it was grounded but not i don't know it was different I guess is a, I don't know the best way to kind of differentiate the two. Right. I guess some of the things seemed a little more far-fetched in that movie. Maybe just cause I don't know if it's just cause I knew it was an M night. So I knew it's going to have some sort of different element to it. Right. But I mean, it's all stuff that could happen. I think my focus watching knock at the cabin was more. What is everything? Something's going to be, con- it's all going to be connected in some sort of way. And it's me trying to figure out how all this is going to be connected and what the, you know, overarching theme of the movie is going to be. And it's focusing more on that instead of just watching the movie. Whereas this one, I was just like, what am I watching here? <laughs> I thought this was just going to be like some apocalyptic drama, but this one's like the, the trailer doesn't do it justice. Let's put it that way. I really didn't think the trailer did it justice. I'm like, all right, this will be okay, but I want to go ahead and watch it. And then, oh my. <laughs> it does just enough to get you interested. Yes. So, I don't know if you noticed this, but so in the bedroom that they stayed in and had like the waves and everything, mm-hmm. during the during the movie, the way the tide would rise as the intensity of things went on through the movie. Yeah. And then the that painting in the, I think it's in the, either in the kitchen or in the dining area, that the black and white one was change was changing throughout the movie too, much like a Rorschach test. So that one was also changing changing throughout the film. Okay. Yeah, I didn't notice till that was the intention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I noticed the way I'm like that looks different. It did, didn't look like that. Before. Like I that one I knew I noticed it's a little more I guess obvious I think for me from what from watching it, but the the other one not as much. I didn't notice it as much. But yeah, it's pretty intense. All right. How about something a little more Christmassy? <laughs> Have I got a movie that I'm so excited that I got to watch? And I've just, there's, every now and then you come across a gym that didn't make it to theaters. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not on streaming. It's out for rental. I came across this movie that I'm... It's a Christmas movie. It's called There's Something in the Barn. It is rated R. Runtime of one hour and 40 minutes. It is a comedy horror Christmas movie. Comedy horror slash Christmas movie. So, an American family fulfills their dream of moving back after inheriting a remote cabin in the mountains of Norway. This movie stars Martin Starr, which most people know from Freaks and Geeks, or for the newer generation, you would know as the teacher from the Spider-Man movies. No Way Home, he was the the teacher that was in charge of of everything. He stars as Bill, and yeah, he they're from him and his family are from California. He ends up inheriting this this house with this house and the land. Mm-hmm. In Norway, and with thoughts of converting the barn into a B and B, which it's a barn, it's not going to be too big. So I don't know how you're going to have the B and B part of that. Maybe an Airbnb, I guess, but not a actual bed and breakfast, right? Per se. Anyways, not really too too important. Amrita Archira plays his wife Carol. Interesting fact: she's actually half you half ukrainian and then her family ended up moving to norway for a time before moving to before she moved to england so she's actually got experience living in norway being raised there for a for a period of time you've got karen shaw who plays the main elf never given a name their son or bill's son lucas and nora are both from a previous marriage carol is their stepmother but she still kind of wants them to call her mom, which that part I've never, I was like, like my kids do not call my wife, mom. Obviously York still has a mom. So therefore that would be weird. Even still, I wouldn't, I mean, Ruth Grayson calls Ruth mom. Cause that's her mom. Yeah, that'd be kind of like weird to have York call. No, I mean, that'd be kind of his choice. If he wanted to do that. Can't, you can't, uh, I mean, it, it's, it, it does. It, yeah. But it would be that child's choice. Right. But, still. but neither of them call her that. Neither yeah. <laughs> like call her that. Anyways, that was just really weird. I didn't like that part. But anyways. So yeah, so they're moving. They have it's funny, they so they're driving to the to the house and everything and they see their first moose crossing sign and they all want to get out. Well no. Carol and Bill want to get out and get a picture next to it. So they make the kids get out of the car so they get a picture with it. And then as they're taking the picture, a moose starts to cross. And so, of course, Carol, get, it's like, oh, no, Bill. Bill, because Bill's kind of oblivious to a lot of things and kind of just, I don't want to say he's stupid, but he's like, he means well. Yeah. But he does a lot of stupid. You're like, oh, buddy, <laughs> you don't have a whole lot of common sense. <laughs> a little slow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just like, he just thinks everything's everything's going to be fine. Everything's good. You know, there's nothing to worry about. X, Y, and Z starts walking up to this moose. And then looks over to the right. And then sees mama moose Hmm. like, Oh crap. So they're trying to go back to the car. And then it takes the police officer showing up, you know, with the sirens and the sirens get the moose away. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, that was the mother, you know, all this stuff. And then they find out that they're moving up to the house and she even the sheriff's like uh oh, all right then <laughs> just like 
Uh, that house? Okay. So it's a little suspicious, but not too much. But the sheriff is also kind of, or the police officer is also very kind of snarky. Mm-hmm. You know, because Americans. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, they get to the house. They start getting, trying to get settled in and everything. And Lucas goes around, starts kind of exploring stuff and everything. Oh, first they try to, the first night there, they're, he's, Bill's trying to get everybody to go outside to watch, to see the Northern Lights. Except it's extremely overcast and there's nothing to see. Like, well, we'll just wait for the class to kind of go by and see if it, and they're all just like freezing and just want to go in. Yeah. So, so finally the kids go in and then they go in. And they just kind of, Carol and Bill are, you know, just talk about how things will be better. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's a change, but it'll be. And it'll be good. This will be a good change and all that. So in the middle of the night, Lucas hears something from the barn. So he goes out, you know, starts exploring and doesn't, he hears things, but he doesn't see anything. Okay. Weird. So he goes back inside the next day, you know, they go, Bill goes to the city and everything. They're trying to meet the locals and whatnot. And you're talking about the house they moved into and that they're going to try and turn this into a B and B. And then the townsfolk are just like looking at him like, they're nuts because yeah. they believe that they believe it's haunted and it turns out, you know, and, and then Lucas goes to this little, like small little mini village, but it's actually a museum with a lot of like different elves. And the guy that's there that runs it is running, you know, talks about the folklore about barn elves mm-hmm. and, you know, the gives like the three very specific rules. Don't get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. Wait, no, sorry. Wrong movie. <laughs> Different Christmas movie. No, barn elves. No artificial light. No loud noises. And I f- forgot what the third one is. So if you follow those rules, the barn elf will do things for you. So like they noticed that Martin when you know, when they got home and everything the next day, or no, the previous day, you know, Martin's like, all right, or uh, Bill's like, all right, I'm gonna go out and shovel the shovel our way out in so we can get to the car and everything. And he goes outside and everything's already been shoveled. Like, oh, they must have a service. Like, the town must have a service that does this. Yeah. And it turns out it's the barn elf that had done it. They also, the barn elf also fixed something else. So once Lucas hears about all of that, and they go back home, later that night, he goes back out to the barn and then ends up seeing the barn elf, offers him a couple of cookies, and that, you know, and tries to make friends with it. And they keep telling him, hey, so then he goes, there's something out, there's something in the cabin, you know, goes inside, tells us, there's something in the cabin. He's like, no, there's nothing in the cabin, you know. Yeah. One of those, oh, he said the thing, he said the thing. But he, the next day, Mark, Bill, keeps saying Mark, because that's the actor's real name. Bill goes out, he gets all the Christmas lights set up. He gets those obnoxious, you know, he gets those like inflatable decorations. And mm-hmm. one of them is a Santa Claus that's motion sensors. When you jump in front, when you walk in front of it, you know, it sings a little bit and that says, oh, 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 Merry Christmas. Yeah. And Lucas loses his mind. It's like, no, you're going to piss off the, you're going to piss off the elk. No artificial light. No, no, no loud noise, you know, no noises. You know, you can't be doing that. And of course, Bill doesn't listen to, you know, he's just like, oh, sure, whatever. He's just making stuff up. The next morning, it looks like a massacre happened with the Christmas decorations. Bill's like, what happened? So they call the police officer out. She's like, ah, oh, it's probably teenagers. 
you know, there's not a lot for them to do. So they probably just came around and, and did that. And so Carol's like, well, what are you going to do about it? And talking to the police, I was like, what do you mean? What am I going to do about it's teenagers? <laughs> like, okay, what action are you going to take? She goes, oh, yeah, I'll look into it. <laughs> and he's, and then Bill's like, okay, thank you. We appreciate it. And she drives off, you know, she goes off in her little snow, Lord, snow ski thing. Whatever you call snow, it. Snowmobile? Yes, thank you. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank <laughs> on that. Like, what are they called? Snow ski? I don't Yeah, a little snowmobile. And Carol's like, why didn't you do anything? He's like, I did. She said she was going to look at, she's not, she goes, she says, I'll look into it. It's her saying, I'm not going to do anything about it. <laughs> I said, well, not wrong. Right. Because <laughs> she was kind of snarky. Like, oh, yeah, I'll look into it. And then kind of left. And like the Santa Claus, inflatable Santa Claus, like it had like a stake, you know, put through it and everything. Like it looked, <laughs> it was pretty funny. And it's like, it's the elf. The elf did it because you, I told you not to have all this stuff and you're making it mad. So again, you know, that night he tries to go back and bring it cookies and everything. It's like, that's not me. I tried to tell him not to. Yeah. And all these bad things start happening. He's so he asked the museum guy, he's like, Hey, what can I do to get to, to make this right? And he said, well, budget has, you know, if it's actually true, because he didn't quite believe he's still kind of skeptical, even though he's kind of in charge of this folklore thing. Yeah. He says, well, if it's true, you know, you just on Christmas Eve, if you make the barn elf a bowl of porridge, it will forgive you of any wrongdoings and everything will be fine. Any problems you've had with it will be washed away. You will be back in its good grades. And then it's it goes in this whole bit about what is porridge? Like, how do you <laughs> make that? Like, what is it? It's just like, yeah, what is it? Like, it's in all these, like, stories, like Goldilocks and everything. Yeah. I've never, I don't know what the hell porridge is. It's weird. But I'm like, yeah, what is it? <laughs> so anyways, Lucas goes and makes the bowl of porridge and everything. They end up having Luca fish for dinner and like nobody liked it but carol made it so they kind of have to try and eat it right so later you see lucas go into the kitchen and there's bill eating the bowl of porridge and he's like what are you doing it's like what i'm still hungry it's like but that's for the elf he's like you know bill's like oh sure well sorry you know you can have what's left or maybe you could take him some luca fish and so, you know, we as the audience are like, oh, they are so hosed. And so they go and so he tries to, he's, I'm like, well, there's not, there's, he could scrape some left in the bowl and put it just in a smaller bowl. It is an elf, so it's not very large. Okay. So shouldn't need his giant bowl of it. Anyways, he tries to then bring it to Luca Fish. He's like, my dad ate the porridge. And that just pissed off the elf. And things from that moment on go downhill very quickly Dang. the lucas is having to run and hurry and run inside because the elf is you know it's lost his damn mind and it's now out to take wreak havoc on the family and york and i laughed so much during this third act just i mean because york came downstairs and we watched it together yeah saturday morning and we just were just busting up laughing because it's a lot of like dark humor i guess that happens throughout the third act here mm-hmm. 
And there's a scene where they end up hitting the elf with the car. And he lets out this loud, almost like roarish kind of scream, which then summons all of these elves. And apparently, I guess there's like a tunnel that runs underneath the barn. And so, yeah, it's, it is wild. And it is just about the, you know, the rest of the movie is this family trying to fight off all these elves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. I I was like, this will be all right. No, this movie was hilarious and had a lot of, has a lot of really good action. It takes a little bit. It's a buildup. Yeah. But there's a lot of, it's a buildup because it explains what's going on and everything. And it's just really well done. Like I really enjoyed this. This is going to probably be a movie I end up watching every holiday season. It's, it's just, yeah, really funny. Highly recommended. If you can, it's, Available on Amazon Prime and iTunes to rent currently. So, but it is worth the five to six dollars. I, I will tell you that much for sure. You will you will not be dis you will not be disappointed. I don't think. Okay. Alrighty. So, I guess kind of keeping with the Christmas theme, mm-hmm. I watched Silent Night, action thriller, released December first. Runtime of an hour and 44 minutes, directed by John Woo. And it stars Joel Kinnaman as Brian Godlock, uh, Catalina Sandino Moreno as Saya Godlock, Scott Miscuddy, basically Kid Cuddy, as Detective Dennis Vassell, and Harold Torres as Playa. Grieving father enacts his long awaited revenge against a ruthless gang on Christmas Eve. So. The movie basically starts off where close-up shot on Brian. He's running slow motion. And basically what happened, like we show in the trailer, he's playing. This is Christmas Eve. He's playing in the front yard with his son. And <clears throat> they've opened a bike for him early, so they go outside to test it out. But at the same time, there is a car chase and, you know, basic gunfire accompanying that chase, two cars. And they're making their way to their house, but they're unaware. By the time they are aware, Brian is not quick enough to shield his son. So his son ends up getting shot and passing due to the injuries. So he decides he's going to try to chase the cars down and kill them because he's just so fueled with rage of what happened to his son. And he basically tries to get ahead of the cars by going down different alleys. And one of the vehicles crashes because the driver's shot and the remaining SUV Goes down the alley, and again, what they show in the trailer, he hits the windshield with the crowbar, causing the car to kind of, you know, spin out. But then they start chasing him. Both of these situations with the shootout and then the car that's now chasing him, they have terrible aim, like, like worse than stormtroopers. Because I mean, I don't know, I don't know how they're not hitting him. Because it's literally in an alley. There's not much room, so it should be easy to just gun him down. But as they're making their way down the alley, there's a forklift which he jumps on. And the car just goes crashing into the forklift and yeah. the forks take out the driver, but the passenger happens to get out and is unscathed. So he jumps out, with his gun, shoots Brian once in the back. Brian turns around, Playa takes another shot, hits him in the neck, and just leaves him to hopefully bleed out. But he doesn't. They manage to get him to the hospital, save his life. But now because of the damage to his vocal cords, he can't talk. You know, they mm. showed in the trailer where he's trying to yell and he's just not, nothing's coming out. 
uh, Bateman getting one of those voice boxes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he immediately throws that out. I said, like, I'm not doing that. So he does his rehab. The silent. Yeah, they, they lean heavy gotcha. into the silent night. I mean, they lean heavy to silent. We do have like TV conversations, mm-hmm. radio, but as far as our characters, none of them say any that have any dialogue. No. Gotcha. Uh, wow. Okay. Right. Because you can't hear it. So it's from his point of view. Yeah. Got it. So he, I mean, of course, if he's crying or stuff, you could hear the moan, yeah. stuff like that, but he just can't speak. Which I, it was kind of weird because I wasn't expecting that. So I'm like, I understand him not talking, but everyone else. Yeah. It took a minute to get used to. That's true, because it just took his vocal cords, not his hearing. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So I, gotcha. I'm just like, so you hear everything else, music, all the other yeah. sounds. It's just, there's no talking. <laughs> so ever. So he does his rehab at work at, at the hospital and eventually goes home. As soon as he gets home to the yard, he sees the scene and he starts having flashbacks of what happened. And... You know, he just pretty much goes into a depression, starts drinking heavily, and his wife tries to be supportive. You know, of course, he can't talk, so they communicate through text messages, but he's really, really distancing himself. You know, he's and he starts to focus on, you know, weightlifting, goes to the gun ring, starts learning how to use firearms, gets a car and soups it up with bulletproof vests on the sides. And he's making his plan to kill all of the people by Christmas Eve. And this starts, I guess, around basically the first of the year. He just has this plan that goes all the way up to Christmas Eve. Yeah. Uh, but again, there's just no dialogue. So we're, we're, we're forced to kind of follow his the emotions, facial expressions, body language. And uh, it makes it kind of a slow burn because of that, because it's just, okay. just yeah. no, no dialogue. But uh, so his plan... So he, tries, he does try to go talk to the detective, but they leave him waiting. And while he's in the office, he looks at the different mugshots. So he starts taking pictures of the mugshots and does his own research on this group, this gang, so he can try to do his own, I guess, reconnaissance information and track them down and take them out. So there was there is someone who's, I guess, kind of like financial person for, for Playa. So he ends up basically grabbing him and trying to force him to admit to all of the things they've done in writing, like whatever they're involved in, money laundering, drugs. There's a full confession, which doesn't go completely as he wants because, you know, dude kind of gets out and they, they fight. But it's almost like how in, I guess, Game of Death with Bruce Lee, where he's going through different levels of taking people out and then he has to get to the main boss. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> that's basically it. He trains. And goes out for revenge. He's like totally consumed with revenge. Like wife leaves him. Like I can't do it. Um, yeah. Because they had a scene where they were holding each other on the, on the couch. You think, okay, he's making a connection. Everything's good. But then she has to get, grab her keys and a suitcase and she leaves. But she does text him every now and then to say that, you know, she and his parents are worried about him. And But he's just very much focused on what he needs to do. And yeah. Like, I guess it's kind of similar to John Wick. Where, you know, dog, dog is killed. So now he's got to take the people out because that's the only connection he had to his wife. But this, this is son who dies, and you know, it just ruins him basically. And he's just very headstrong on his mission. That everything else is sacrificed. You know, even if even himself, like whatever he whatever he has to do to do it, even if he dies trying. So, but yeah, Kid Cudi, they could have had anybody play that detective. You know, like, because I don't know, 
it's just weird seeing him try to play the serious detective and no dialogue whatsoever. And yeah, but um, I mean, it's it's a good movie. It just takes some getting used to no one talking outside of yeah. tra- radio transmissions, TV and music. So, but uh, yeah, it's definitely it's a silent night, but it's definitely a violent one. You know, John's yeah. signature as far as the action scenes are great, but it's just rough during the lead up to that because it's not a lot of dialogue. I mean, no dialogue whatsoever. Right. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. This is well, I've got to walk out of because of that. Because it's not going to be for, yeah. for that reason. No. It seems like it probably would have been more suited for streaming for sure. Yeah. But I mean, it's all good. So, what I caught, I knew there was an animated Batman movie coming out, but I didn't realize it it was out. I just happened to be checking Prime and then saw that Merry Little Batman had had appeared. Yeah. And this is a animated, one hour and 32 minute long animated Batman movie. Now, this is one of those during the tax write-off, mm-hmm. Batman... This, this is one of those movies that it got rid of and basically sold it to Amazon Prime. So they picked it up. Why didn't they do that with Batgirl? Facts. I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep right? bringing that up. I know shit. <laughs> if you don't, I will. <laughs> so we've got Luke Wilson voicing Bruce Wayne, Flash Batman. Jonas Cabred is Damian Wayne. James Cromwell voices Alfred. And David Hornsby voices. Voice voices the joker so the this is directed by mike roth if you know anything if anybody knows anything about like cartoon network and shows he's the one that i believe created and directed a lot of the regular show as well as you know one of my favorites as far as ones that i I enjoyed watching with the kids phineas and ferb a lot of phineas and ferb so the to me, the animation style seemed a little more similar to like Gravity Falls. To me, character designs and everything seemed a little more akin to that, right. which is fine. So basically, this is about Batman's son, Damien. He wants to be Batman so much he has like a paper hat or like a like a paper cow made out of or a cow made out of a paper bag. Okay. And like he eats dinner and he's always wearing it. You know, you know, even Bruce that's say, remember Alfred's one rule, no cows all at the table at the dinner table. And the you know, Alfred makes this this dish that nobody like, like neither Bruce or Damien like. So Bruce snap you know, tears off half a donut and gives it to Damien. Says and then makes some dad joke, you know, that they both chuckle at. Yeah. And then Batman has to leave to go on a mission and Alfred's like, you're going to keep the beard. Like, aren't you, don't you, didn't you forget to shave? He's like, it's like, no, no, I think it adds to my intimidation game, which was the, which was the name of the film that they were using while filming the Batman, while filming Batman begins. That was the, yeah. So there's a lot of different nods. In the Batcave, it shows the different Batman suits through the different films. When they get to the one with the nipples, it's like they've got like sharp 
ends on the nipples that stick out just to kind of add to it. It's just really funny. And of course, Grayson goes, Grayson says, she goes, Ooh, abs. I like, it's like, <laughs> I was like nothing about the pointy ends on the nipples. All right, we'll go with that. Yes. Abs. Yeah. But it's great. So Bruce gives, before he leaves, he gives Damien an early Christmas gift and it's his own utility belt, but it doesn't have anything that has like dangerous weapons in it. Okay. It has like, like Batman band-aids. It's got foam batterings. It's like foam batterings. It's like, where's all the cool stuff like yours? He's like, oh, you mean things that are dangerous? Oh, no, I didn't put any of that in there. You're still too young, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, what ends up happening is, you know, Batman goes off. Alfred goes out to get more marsh because Damien eats all the marshmallows. Mm-hmm. So Alfred goes out to buy more marshmallows so they can have hot chocolate or hot cocoa. And so, and during that, two burglars show up and are going around robbing houses, you know, a la Home Alone. Yeah. And even, even Grayson goes, is this Home Alone? <laughs> I'm like, dang. I was like, well, it's similar. It, what is similar? Yeah, kid, kid's at home by himself and some people are trying to break into his house to steal things. Yep. So, of course, you know, Damien has to fend for himself and from these burglars. Well, in doing so, they end up taking his utility belt. So it's all this. So he goes chasing after him. He ends up finding the Batcave and everything and going down there. He couldn't get the Batmobile to work, but pushes enough buttons and shoots the motorcycle out just like in Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. But it's a different looking motorcycle. It's more like a, you know, the. I forgot what they call them with the high handlebars, but that's what it kind of reminds me of uh, one of those. And so he, so he goes taken off and he's, he had found a bat suit that fits him because I guess Bruce was probably saving it. Yeah. And so he's got his Batman. So he's trying to go find these people that stole his utility belt, catch up to him. Well, it turns out these burglars work for the Joker. Of course. Yes. And so they're like, ooh, this is even better because now, you know, obviously this is something better. You know, we've got this kid will go around and keep trying to chase after this thing and cause all kinds of destruction in Gotham, which is, you know, who could ask for a better Christmas gift? Right. So you don't, so you end up seeing Poison Ivy, Poison Ivy, Bane, the Penguin, you know, all these characters show up. Bruce gets stuck on this mission and can't get back because he ends up crashing the Batplane. And so he's trying to have, it's like, he's just envisioning what Damien could be possibly getting into while he's gone. Dang. And the house is on fire, you know, the house is burning down and, you know, Damien's needing, needing his dad's help and all that. Yeah. And Alfred, you know, is, is helpless. It's all these envisions. So he's trying to find a way to, he has to get back. So, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's such a fun little movie. And it's for all the kind of bat, more adult themed, I guess, Batman animated movies we've been getting. This one's great because this is perfect for like a whole family could watch this and be entertained. And, you know, there's a Christmas element because it takes place during Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, Batman and Damien get to finally team up eventually and take out the bad guys. And Damien is like, listen, I can do this. Just trust me. And so it's about father and son, you know, building trust, knowing that, 
you know, he's getting older. He can do this. Right. You you have to stop worrying so much, even though, yes, he's a kid, but it's Damien. So he's raised by the League of Assassins. Homeboy's got this. (laughs) Same. They allude to Talia Ghoul, but never actually, you know, address it as to where she's at and why she's not there and all that stuff. But it's just a fun little movie to watch. It's funny. Grayson was really enjoying it until she realized she had to go take a shower and then go to bed. Um, So I turned it off and then finished watching it after she went to bed. But she was really enjoying it. So I think uh, this is going to be great for any, you know, any Batman fans or even just kids will like it just because it's just a fun kids movie. But there's a lot of Easter eggs and little nods to different Batman properties. So I I would I would recommend it for sure. This week, Netflix's or Zack Snyder's latest Rebel Moon Part One something something something, yeah, drops. Also, uh, Wonka comes to theaters, which Grayson's very much looking forward to. That'd be interesting. It should be interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And most importantly, Jack Reacher the show season two drops Friday, when I'm most looking forward to. To be honest, you know if they're gonna do episodic like weekly or drop it all. That's pretty. I don't know. Part of me wishes weekly. I kind of like that. Into in, as much as I like to binge through a series, I, I kind of want that one to take its time. Maybe they'll do like one or two episodes for the first week. Probably drop the first two and then yeah, do after that. Yep. Hopefully, so, we'll see. But that's what we got coming up. So stay tuned for that, and then yeah, and then we'll have the holidays approaching us very quick. <laughs> yep, very quick and. Uh, which also means we will have to get our get our uh, stuff together and get our best of 2023. True. I think I was telling you for the year, as of right now, right at 150 movies watched this year. And Wild. As far as in theater movies, I'm at 94, and I feel yeah. like this week I should probably be able to get to 100, maybe if Dang. I. Yeah. I actually go. Yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. So I'm trying to at least get to that point before there's any weird weather that comes up. Right. That. Yeah. Agreed. So. All right, Bye. friends. Well, that's the end of this week. And hope everybody's enjoying the holiday season. Getting all the things taken care of that they need to get taken care of. Staying safe, staying warm. Most definitely. Yeah. And we will... We will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at Parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group Parental Advisory Movie Podcast and join in on the fun.